If you have your Bibles and you're going to look with us, go to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to kind of summarize, really, there's two power pack chapters here, and I really don't have time. You wouldn't want me to take the time to go through all of those, but it's probably some of my favorite passages of the Bible. And again, you're like, PB, you say that every time you preach. Well, I probably do. But I can tell you for sure, some of my most famous, favorite part of the Bible is this part because it's about Elijah. Y'all know, know about Elijah? Probably besides Jesus Christ himself, for obvious reasons, I think Elijah is my favorite person to read about in the Bible. You know, we talk about, you can probably tell, I kind of like superheroes. Elijah, to me, was like the closest thing, again, besides Jesus, to a real-life superhero and all the incredible stories of the miracles and just crazy things that happened to him. And, and I mean, he didn't even die. Do y'all realize that? Elijah, was, he didn't even die. God just said, you know what? I'm just even, you're not even going to have to do with that. You just come up here with me. How cool would that be? And so this is one of the, the primary stories. There's so many, and I might reference several of the things that happen around it so you can get some context. But, but, but this is sort of the beginning of, of Elijah. This is coming off the heels of probably, again, my favorite of all the Elijah miracles. And he did so many that were great. But at the beginning of chapter 17, sort of where Elijah's ministry started, in, in 17, 1 Kings 17, 1, Elijah is given this word to go speak to Ahab and to, and to tell Ahab, who is the wicked king, and to say, Ahab, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. I know some of y'all were probably looking around a couple of weeks ago wondering if Elijah started speaking around here, right? Felt like we kind of went through a similar type of drought, but, but no, we thought that was a long drought of a, about a couple of months. Imagine three and a half years with no rain. Why? Because the land was wicked. The people were going crazy. Ahab and his wife Jezebel, and I've, you've probably heard me say this before. I may be reusing a joke. It's okay. You know how Jezebel, we know Jezebel was bad. How many people do y'all know named Jezebel? That's right. There ain't a lot of people going to be naming their kids Jezebel, right? It's because it has a bad connotation. If you know somebody, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put fun of them, but I mean, I don't, I don't know too many people naming their kids Jezebel. It's usually not at the top of those lists like, you know, Brittany or Ashley or whatever they name their kids these days. You don't hear a lot of Jezebel because Jezebel was a wicked person and her husband Ahab and they were leading the people wicked. God had to get their attention. So this is why he said, listen, I'm going to get your attention. I'm going to allow no rain on your land for three and a half years. They couldn't grow crops. Food began to dry up and begin to waste away. It was a bad situation. But you read through these two chapters and I'm getting to my main text, but I can't you know, leave without you understanding the context of where we are. Elijah had such an incredible story that despite everywhere around him going through a drought, going through no crops, do you realize it doesn't say one day that Elijah didn't have food? I'm talking crazy stuff. It literally said after he gave that word, the Lord led him to a wilderness and he sat there in a wilderness and birds literally brought him food to eat. You want to talk about faith? I mean, you know... That's, that's something serious. They say, hey, I'll take care of you. Yeah, birds will bring you something to eat. There were other times when he didn't know where to go. He'd just go see that woman. I'm sure Elijah had to think, God, this widow woman, she don't have anything. No, go. And guess what happened? She didn't have anything, but the Lord provided. I mean, everywhere Elijah went, the Lord just showed himself to be worthy, showed himself to be faithful, showed his goodness that we just sung about. And so it, it sort of culminates in this particular chapter, again, right before what we're about to get into today, is probably the, the most mind-blowing and astounding miracle that I think Elijah performed. It's when he decided to challenge the prophets of Baal. There are all these people worshiping Baal, who was a false god. 
And Elijah said, well, listen, if y'all think this Baal is so powerful, why don't we have a little contest? I'm here to tell you that Jehovah God, my God, is the God. Y'all think that this Baal person, you know, is all this power. Let's have a contest. And y'all know the story. Maybe you do. I'll give you a Clef Notes version. He brings them all to the mountain and he tells them, pray for Baal to send fire. And they pray all day. It even says literally they were cutting themselves and screaming and tearing their clothes off. Sadly, it may be some people may think the rumors go that that's what we do here. It's not. But they were acting crazy, cutting themselves and all this stuff. They thought, I mean, you know, it was weird. And guess what happened? Nothing. Because Baal. And then Elijah, after sort of mocking them and laughing at them all day, he comes and he prays a simple prayer, God, to show that you're powerful. And fire comes down from heaven and consumes the altar. And those people knew at that moment that who is the true God. Man, isn't that incredible? See, I could just I could have preached a long sermon right there, but that just gets us to where I need to get you today. I need you to understand that coming off that, I don't know about you, but I want to think that if I stood on a mountain and I prayed and fire came down from heaven and consumed something, I'd be like, whoo! I'm going to get me some armor bears and a TV camera and we're going to do something. I'm just kidding, but that's the way some of us think in the modern day, Right? Man, they, they, nobody could touch me. Ain't nobody, man, here we are in the same manner. Elijah is still tested. And I, I want you to understand where we're going today is I want to talk to you about having faith and persevering even when you're tested. You see, you can experience some of the greatest works of God in your life, but it doesn't mean that you're never still going to be tested, that there are never going to be moments where you still have to put your faith in action, where God's going to see, okay, do you really believe? The reason I brought you through all that, because it leads us to this story in 1 Kings 18. I'm going to read through the text, and then we're going to break it down. Is that all right? Let's read together, starting with verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, again, this is right after the fire on the mountain, and they've killed all these prophets of Baal, and I'm sure Elijah's just fired up. This is one of the greatest victories he's ever had. You think about that time when you were touched by the Holy Spirit in such a way you were just charged up. Maybe just uh, recently at Revival, you were just so filled up. You just, you couldn't move. You were shaking. You just, you know what I'm talking about. When that thing you had prayed for for so long finally came to pass and you just couldn't contain it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's where I imagine Elijah was at this moment. And so Elijah just begins to speak. He looks at Ahab and he says, go up, eat and drink for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. Elijah said, this is too powerful. This drought's going to end now. And he, I'm sure he said it in his most preachery of voices. Rain is coming. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. So he went back to where the Lord had just shown himself. This is powerful. Follow me. And then notice what he did. He bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now toward the sea. And so he went up and he looked and he said, there's nothing. Now again... This is the same Elijah who just prayed. I might be getting ahead of myself. The same Elijah who just literally said a simple prayer and fire. Boo! I'm going to keep coming to that because I need you to keep that in your mind. Rain's coming. Go look. Nothing. Y'all with me? All right. And so seven times he said, go again. And then it came to pass on the seventh time, not the second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth, right? The seventh time, 
that he said, being the servant, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he, being Elijah, said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. And now it happened in the meantime that the sky did become black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rolled away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So again, as we dig into this particular story, we're once again, I'll repeat it one more time. You're thinking, man, you're repeating. I need you to get this in your spirit for you to understand everything else we're about to go to, okay? He's coming off some of the greatest miracles ever recorded in the Bible. He's coming across seeing things that most of us would only dream about seeing. Are y'all with me? If, if he had any doubt that there was a God, then he, you know, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's seen God's hand at work in such a powerful way that there was all the people around him that weren't even God believers knew that there was a God. And so now God was ready for his next season. But you understand for him to move to his next season, for him to get to his next level, for him to proceed to the next area that God had for him in his ministry, he still had to go through the next test. Let me just start here. This isn't even in my notes. This is a base point, not even a real point, okay? But you can write it down, and I need you to understand. We talk about it a lot here in all seasons, so this isn't new, but let me bring this to you. You can't expect to win your future battles with just your past anointing. You can't go to your future destiny living off just the past encounters that you've had with God. If there's anything we've learned, Pastor taught about a month on this leading into revival. We heard this sort of mentioned several times throughout revival. Again, I'm not telling you anything that's new and a great revelation that I feel the Lord's spoken to me, but let me remind you of what the Lord is saying in this time. The Lord has greater things in store for you. You know, we, we sing this chorus in one of those songs we sing. I forget, they run together and I'm playing. I should know all these songs. But there's this one line that says, if I'm not dead, then he's not what? He's not done. Y'all remember that? If I'm not dead, then God's not what? He's done. That means regardless, you may think, well, whoa, I've survived. I'm here. Well, great. If you've survived and you've just recently given your life to the Lord, then you just haven't reached the pinnacle of it. Now your life is just beginning. Amen? Maybe you're like me and you've been in this thing for a long time and sometimes it gets weary and you're like, God, just, you know, you can go ahead and just take me now. I'll be glad. You know, you can just, I think I've done enough. The rapture, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's in that scripture somewhere. I like to pray that sometimes because God, I really don't want to have to go to work today. Just rapture me on and be fine. Y'all are looking at me like y'all ain't never prayed there. That's okay. You know, just, it's fine, God, you know. God, I know these people I'm about to have to talk to and the way they're going to look at me. Just go ahead and rapture me now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But seriously, we get into a mindset where we think, okay, we've done enough. Let's just coast on into heaven. Listen, if you're still on this earth and you're breathing and the Lord hadn't called us church home, that means there's still destiny, there's still ministry, there's still things that all of us are meant and designed to do, and it is our job to find out from the Lord what it is He wants us to do and to become equipped and do that thing He's called us to. Amen? I told you that was a free point. Let's get to the real stuff. That's what you're ready for, all right? Here's, we get to this point where Elijah again is pumped and he speaks. And as I said, a lot of us are in those moments. It's easy for us to speak faith when we're kind of charged up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
Man, those moments we had where we had an encounter with God again, whether it's in an altar service at a powerful move of God here in the church, or maybe it's just something that happened. Maybe someone you knew come to the Lord, you're just fired up. And in those moments, man, it's easy for us to proclaim faith. Y'all ever realize that? Man, it's easy for us to proclaim, hey, God is going to do something. Yeah, man, that's exciting. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to win the world. Y'all probably heard it before. My dad used to say it all the time when he was preaching. Man, I'm so fired up. I, could, I think I could go through hell and, with a water pistol and take out every demon. We get excited. Elijah was probably pumped up, and so he immediately began to speak the word of God. He began to say, hey, the drought's going to end, and it's easy for us to think, okay, maybe he's just emotional. Isn't that how we like to logically say things? We get charged up, we get full of the Spirit, we come off a season of revival or something like that, we begin to proclaim, oh, God's about to do something great, and then we try to settle folks down. I may be talking just to myself, because people get excited. I'm like, whoa, let's just calm down. Y'all know in a few weeks, y'all gonna, it's going to wear off. Y'all going to be back to your normal, falling asleep near church and barely coming. You know, you're gonna, it's going to get back to normal soon. Y'all ever been there? But the truth is, is when you hear from the Lord, you've heard from the Lord. What the Lord says on the mountaintop is the same word that when you're in the valley, right? The same Lord and the same word that he speaks to you in a season of revival when you're charged and you feel the presence of God so strongly doesn't change just because you may go through a spout where there's drought and you feel like you ain't heard God say anything in a while. This, this makes sense. Understand the same word that's spoken in the good times is the same word when things may not look the way that we appear. And that's where Elijah has found himself. I want you to notice He speaks the word. Why does he speak the word? Because he remembers. I'm not going to pull it up, but go back to verse 1 of chapter 18 here in 1 Kings. Verse 1, it says when the Lord tells Elijah, when he begins to go and challenge Ahab and the prophets of Baal, he actually says, rise up at this time, because he's been in hiding. He didn't want to die. Elijah was in danger. He was afraid that Ahab and Jezebel were going to kill him. So what did he do? The Lord spoke to him and said, Elijah, rise up now and go to the king, and I'm going to send rain. So understand something. Elijah didn't just get up all excited and and jazzed up. He was excited and jazzed up, but in that adrenaline, he didn't just say, oh, now it's going to rain, just for the sake of saying it, right? What was he doing? He was proclaiming something the Lord had already spoken to him. Does this make sense? Are y'all good? Understand that if the Lord has spoken it to you, you can confidently proclaim that word. Now, if it isn't in the Bible and it ain't something that comes from God and you proclaiming it, then it probably don't have a lot of power. (laughs) You want an example? I can stand right here and say, man, somebody before I leave here today is going to hand me $1,000. I can sit here and I can proclaim it and I can be confident in it and I can get you excited about it. But guess what? It didn't come from God. And you know what? Nobody's going to give me no thousand dollars. <laughs> I can say it all I want to, but it doesn't really mean anything. Does that make sense? I may seem kind of silly and funny, but now when I know that the Lord has promised me something, I can find it and see it in his word. I know what he's spoken in my spirit. I can perceive and know that it's for me. Then even though I don't see the benefit, I don't see how it's possible, I can't see it actually occurring in the moment, guess what? I can still stand and trust in that word and know that it's going to come to pass. Amen? This is for somebody today. So Elijah began to speak the word. He was so confident in the word that he knew that God was going to send rain. He didn't look at the sky and say, wow, there's no clouds. 
It ain't rained in a long time. I, I may have missed it. But notice what he did. After he spoke the word, he goes to the Mount of Carmel. And I want you to notice what he did. And this is really where I want you to pay attention. Elijah goes in the prayer. Elijah goes in the prayer. And I'm going to talk about prayer. I'm going to, look at, I'm going to show you today five ways that Elijah prayed. Five ways that showed that his prayer was heard, that it was beneficial, and it's five ways that you need to pray. You see, a, a lot of times, and I won't get too far into the weeds here, but let's understand prayer. I think a lot of times we think of prayer as just begging God for what we want, and that's what we, that, that's as far as we ever get. Is this all right? I don't want to ruin anybody, but it becomes us just simply asking, you know, we're getting in the holiday season, you know, it's as Thanksgiving started. I mean, let's be real. Y'all don't have to, you know, I've, I've already got Christmas decorations up. If you think that means I'm a bad person because I didn't wait till after Thanksgiving, I'm sorry. You just still, you still have to love me. You have to take me as I am and love me. That's the way it is. But nonetheless, it's Christmas season and my kids are like your kids. You know what they're doing? They're making their list of the things they want. They want from Santa. They want from their parents. However it is that your, your kids still do it. My kids will make their Santa list, and they're going to write it, and they're going to, we're going to send it somewhere. Guess what? We sometimes treat God as that's what prayer is. We just need to make our list and give it to Him, and we're going to wait and hope that one day we magically wake up on Christmas morning or something, and there it is. Guys, prayer is so much more powerful than just that. Prayer is everyday communion that we get to have with God. It's not just once a year. It's not someone who we may not even ever see or, you know, or even have to question. It's someone that's there who's with us, who wants to speak to us as much as he wants us to speak to him. All we have to do is open up our hearts to him. We have to create the right posture, and that's what Elijah did. It says he sat down on the mountain. It says he bowed down with his head between his knees. I imagine he's sitting down, and he's putting his head all the way down getting into a place of prayer, believing that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. Now, some of us will wonder, well, if he said it, why are we still praying about it? Because God wants us to still call upon his name. He wants to test our will and our strength. Let's get into this. Elijah began to pray, and there's five ways he prayed. The first way he prayed was this. Elijah prayed believing. Everybody say believing. You know, I've made Christmas lists. I've made wish lists. I've said things. and. You know, I have an Amazon wish list that my, my folks want to keep up with for around this time. You know, I just throw things on there. There's some things that I know, yeah, they'll probably buy this. It doesn't cost that much. And then it's a wish list, right? So I, sometimes I just throw some crazy stuff on there. Anybody ever done that? I remember when, when we were registering for our wedding, man, my wife was like, we got to have this and this. Let's just keep it simple. I'm like, shoot, if people are literally going to go check this and buy me stuff, I'm going to put all kinds of stuff on it. You never know. Guess what? I know they're not going to buy it if I don't scan it on this list. If I scan it on the list, at least there's a chance, right? And there's stuff that we put, I put on that list that I knew that it was a good chance nobody was going to buy. And that was right. Nobody, nobody bought that stuff. I didn't get the 70-inch plasma screen TV that I put on my Christmas or my wedding registry back then. Everybody came through with like those, you know, $10 towels, but the TV didn't come through. Again, I'm saying all that, y'all think I'm silly, but I want you to understand, how many times do we go before God and that's sort of the way we are? God, I'm just going to throw this out here, but you're probably not going to do anything with it, and if you do, great. How powerful is that prayer? It's not going to be powerful at all. But when we go to God praying, believing, what I'm about to ask God for is going to happen. 
What I'm praying for God to do, He's going to do. You know what that does on the inside of us? It does two things. One, it puts power behind our prayer. I'm going to pray with confidence. I'm going to pray knowing that, God, I believe that you're going to do this. You said in your word that you would do this. So I'm going to pray with more boldness and more confidence. I'm going to keep on doing it. And guess what also it's going to do? It's going to make sure that what I'm praying for is in line with God's word. I'm not going to throw something out there that I know in my mind or in my heart, in the back of my mind, isn't God's will. Y'all may may have never done this before, but I can tell you what, I've asked God for a lot of things that I wanted that I knew God didn't want for me. (laughs) Y'all ever been there? It's hard to believe those prayers when in the back of my mind I already know this probably isn't what I need to be praying for. Like when those people who get on my nerves and I prayed for the Lord to give them flat tires. Now, I knew in the beginning of that prayer... You know when you pray that prayer that God doesn't want to listen to. You know in your heart that that's not the way you should pray. pray, So it's hard for me to pray that believingly. But what he does want you to do is believe. Listen, this is the key. Remember this. You've heard this said before. If God has said it, then what? It settles it. If God has spoken something to you, it's a promise that you can stand on from his word, that he's promised all, that we would be the head and not the tail, that we're going to be blessed, that we're not cursed. That we're meant to live and be provided. He said he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Can I stand on that word? Can I stand on that promise? So when it seems like I'm going under and I'm looking in my bank account and it looks way too low and I see all these bills and there's way too many, can I go to God confidently and say, God, you see the need, but I know that you're going to take care of it? You bet I can. Why? Because he already said he would. Oh, my goodness. He's already said he would take care of it. Listen, if God has spoken something in your spirit, you can go to him confidently and continue praying that he's going to move on your behalf. The secret of a bold, courageous life will lie in the hearing of faith. Elijah could pray confidently because he heard the word of God. What did Paul write in Romans? You've heard the scripture before. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. Listen, who I don't know who I may be talking to today, but some of you, there may be something you, you've been knowing you need, you've been praying for, you've been hoping for, but God wants to take you past hoping and He wants you to believe for it. You know how He's going to do that? You have to start listening to His Word. You've got to know that He said it. You've got to know what He's promised you. Is this all right? It's the reason you come and you sit here and we have services every week and we have this moment where we take an hour or so a week to try to preach the Word of God. Why? So you can hear it. When you hear the Word of God, guess what's going to happen? Your faith is going to increase. You're going to hear something that's been promised to you. Your faith is going to increase to the point where you'll believe God is who He says He is. Amen? The secret of a bold, courageous life lies in the hearing of of faith. Guess what? When the ear of faith is dull, the feet of your service is going to be tardy and the tongue of your testimony will stammer. Let me explain what that means. When you don't have the Word of God constantly coming into your ears and you're listening to the wrong voices, if you're listening to mainstream media, if you're listening to all these people out in the world who are telling you that things are going to be terrible and you're going to go under and you better prepare now, when you're listening to the people who say, you can believe for it, but that's never going to happen, you're never going to amount to anything, these dreams, these ambitions, you're never going to do that. If you're standing on a word right now, God's already promised, this is my ministry, this is my future, this is my destiny, this is where I'm taking you. 
And the people you share that with are believers, and they begin to say, man, that's a pipe dream. You can never do that. You're just from Mississippi, Scott County. You can't ever achieve those things. Guess what? You're listening to the wrong voices. And the more you listen to those voices, what's going to happen? Your faith's going to dwindle, and you're going to begin to listen to it. I'm here to tell you, if you're ready to see breakthrough in your life, quit listening to the lies of the enemy and begin to listen to the promises of the Lord. Begin to get into the Word and listen to people who are proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. Amen? When you stop listening and believing the Word of the Lord, then guess what? You're not so quick to move. You're, you're, you're frozen. You're not willing to serve. When I see people who... You know, we kind of talk about people who are just always uh, consumers, man. They may come to church, but they're never participating. They're never acting. They leave the church, as Brother Mark was just saying. We're meant to come to church, fill up, and go out and be the hands and feet. But sometimes we get frozen and the hands and feet aren't doing anything because we forget to believe what the Lord said. The enemy will tell you, you're not good enough. You've messed up too many times. You've done too many terrible things in your life. Nobody will ever listen to you. That's the lie of the enemy. You listen to the word of the Lord and says that, behold, all things have been made new in your life. Once you're in Christ, the old man is dead. Behold, the new man has arisen. Amen? To prevail in prayer, you need to hear the word of the Lord. And that's what Elijah did. If he would have went to prayer without hearing that the rain was going to come, then it would have been futile. He would have sat there begging and talking. But he knew what he heard, and so he was praying and believing, God, I know what you said. Do what you said you would do. Amen? But here's the next thing, and it was all about the posture. You see, he didn't just pray believing, but he also prayed humbly. Humbly. Again, pastor did some teaching on this leading in the revival. You heard this quoted many times. The scripture clearly says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Elijah didn't go to God and say, all right, God, you told me this and I can't, you can't make me look bad. You got to do this. Now, if Elijah had come to God with that attitude, I would have had a hard time believing God was going to listen or answer in that way. But Elijah humbled himself. He got himself out of the way. He said, God, the the purpose of these miracles isn't me. Sure, we read about Elijah and his name has been given renown. I just talked about how he's one of my favorite characters. But understand the purpose. He knew the purpose of his mission. And it wasn't so he could build this celebrity and be this great person everybody knew about. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we pray for God to answer prayer simply because we want a better life. And some of you are already, when you heard that, well, isn't that the point? No, listen. There's nothing wrong with you wanting a good life and and, and you wanting to be blessed. But if that is the only purpose for prayer, then our prayer isn't aligned with God's will. Because God didn't put us here just to live good and be comfortable. Yeah, I know that's hard. It's Thanksgiving. We get to think about all the comforts we got. And I get that. We need to be thankful. But understand, we're not here just to sort of coast by and be prosperous with all the stuff. We're here to serve a king. We're here to serve a purpose for our king. We're here to sacrifice ourselves. Jesus said to gain this life, you have to what? Lose it. The believer who is the boldest before men, I'm telling you, is the humblest before God. 
You look at anyone that you see, any person who sits on a stage and proclaims the word of God or anyone who's acting in a public arena where they're, you look at those people and you're like, man, they are incredible examples of God. I wish I had that boldness on the inside of you. I'm telling you, they have that boldness because the spirit of God's been cultivated in a closet of humility. Y'all, 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 y'all with me? It's been cultivated in a closet of humility. I mean, I've, any great person I've talked to and tried to find out great preachers and people I get to spend time with, I'll ask, you know, about preaching because I like to talk preaching. I, why do you, how, do you, how do you craft this? And you know what always it goes to? I mean, there's people who can talk that stuff. So at the end of the day, the great preachers that you know, that you listen to their podcasts every week, they spend hours upon hours upon hours of prayer. Hours upon hours in prayer. That's where it starts for you. If you want to live a bold life, you have to be willing to humble yourself, get out of your own way, and sacrifice to listen to God. To cast ourselves down is the best way of preparing ourselves for the fulfillment of the promise of God. Jesus said, Matthew 18, 4, whoever humbles himself as a little child, this is the person who's going to inherit the kingdom of God. The Lord is looking for someone willing to humble themselves. And it's not necessarily literal posture. That's where it starts. But being willing to bow down before him to show that, God, I am nothing, but you are everything. Again, if there was ever a man on this earth in the terms of ministry and following God who could have been arrogant after, again, fire just boomed down from heaven, it was Elijah. But Elijah still knew that he had nothing to do with that miracle. And if God didn't show up here, nothing great would ever happen again. So he humbled himself before the Lord. He laid himself down. Let me share with you quickly in Luke chapter 18, Jesus shares this parable to sort of explain the importance of humility. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So he said this, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, the extortioners, the unjust, the adulterers, or even in this, as this tax collector. Thank you I'm not like him. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Now, can you imagine if I would have opened this sermon in a prayer? God, I thank you I'm standing on this stage. I'm not like any of these people. None of you would still be here, right? Or either that or I would have been. You might pick me up and threw me out the door, you know, like jazz on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Somebody will get that reference. That's the way I'd look. No, he's exalting himself, how much greater I am than everyone else. But notice verse 13, the tax collector standing afar off, he would not as much as raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, it says. God, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you what, that man went back to his house more justified than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I don't know about you guys, but I would rather humble myself and allow God to exalt me in the right situation, amen, than to try to exalt myself and then God have to humble me. You would much rather humble yourself than to allow God to do that for you. It's going to be a lot less painful. 
Let's move on to the third thing. Elijah prayed believing. He prayed in humility. But then this was where the test was. He had to pray in perseverance. He had to pray in perseverance. Again, I believe just in, you, you can, I'm, I'm inferring here, but coming off of, he just prayed a simple prayer. God immediately answered with fire, proved that he was God. All these people answered it. But now, so I, I'm sure maybe, I'm inferring, but I could see that maybe on the inside, at least for a moment, once Elijah's bowing down, once he prays his prayer, he tells his servant, hey, it's going to rain, go look. The servant comes back and says, there's nothing there. It's, it's, there's no clouds. I would have to wonder, I know how it would be with me, there'd have to be a little bit of trepidation, right? Wait a minute. Did I not say the right words? Did I not say the right... Maybe I didn't prayeth in enough if King Jameseth. Oh, Lordeth, did you, dideth, thouest not heareth me. So he prays a second time. Go check. Still nothing. God, third time. How many times did it say that? Nothing happened until, so six times Elijah prays, six times the servant goes, six times the servant says, there's nothing there, Elijah. There's nothing there. You see, Elijah heard the word abundance, but the servant still saw nothing. I need you to understand it's not easy seeing those things that can only be apprehended by faith. Because this is what's going to happen. I, I, I can, and I'm going to share with you how, in just a little bit how I've been walking through this in my own life, okay? I'm not preaching something I don't know. Today, of all things, I'm preaching something to you that I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, okay? But the Lord's going to speak something to you, and it's going to be exciting. He's going to give you direction. He's going to tell you what you're going to need to do. But don't expect everything God to say to happen instantaneously, because if that were the case, then where would the trust need to be cultivated? There'd be no need for faith if everything I just spoke happened immediately. Is this making sense? God had to know, Elijah, I've done all these things through you, but can I still trust you to be my servant and continue to do the things I need you to do? Because go on through that. There was still a lot that Elijah had to do. Probably one of his most important tasks lie ahead of him where he mentored the next generation, Elisha. There was still a lot that he had to accomplish, but God had to know that he could trust him. And so he didn't immediately say, okay, boom, storm clouds, it rains immediately. But here's the beauty of it. I know what would be going through my mind, and I can imagine, this is a conversation I'd love to have in heaven if I think about it one day, with Elijah. Hey, Elijah, did you have these thoughts? Because I would have imagined you had these thoughts. Okay, God, I, I don't know what you're doing, but, but, but we're apparently off here. And he could have quit and said, enough of this. I'm getting off this mountain. I'm not going to bow down anymore. God, you just let it rain when you want it to rain. That's what could happen. How many times in your life? Be honest. I'm going to be honest. There have been plenty of times where I've had to battle this. But have there been times in your life where that's something that you knew God promised you, but you just it seemed like everywhere you turned, you just couldn't see the Lord moving in that direction? You felt like the complete opposite was happening. There was a wall in front of you everywhere you went. Anybody ever been through that? Is it just me? And what will happen? You ever felt, honestly, been in the point where, God, I'm not even going to pray about this anymore because I'm tired of asking. Yeah, I've been there too. <laughs> but here's the beauty of Elijah's example. 
Even though nothing was happening in the physical, he didn't relent or give up on the word of the Lord. Man, I feel this strongly right now. I'm not trying to stir anything up or be, but I, I hear the Lord saying right now, there's somebody listening to me today that, that the Lord has spoken something to you and you have all but wanted to give up because you still don't see anything. But I'm here to tell you, just because you don't see it happening or manifesting right now in the physical, God is still working on your behalf in the spiritual. And if you will hold on, that thing will come to pass in your life. Amen? He had to persevere. He kept believing. He kept pleading. Even though everything looked like he was crazy, he just knew what the Lord had said and he stood upon his word. He was just like the story of Jacob in the Old Testament when Jacob was wrestling the angel. The angel said, would you please just let me go? I'm tired of wrestling with you. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I believe the Lord is looking for a generation in this microwave popcorn generation where we want everything instantaneously. He still wants to know, do I have people willing to hold on and wait until I move? Do I have a generation today that's willing to stand upon my word with such faith that nothing the enemy throws at you will deter you? Because when you do that, you'll begin to see the Lord move in your life. There's two more points I want to get to this fourth thing. He prayed believing. He prayed in humility. He humbled himself. He persevered. He didn't give up. He kept going and going. Here's the fourth thing. And this really may be where some of your, your history, your theology, or I shouldn't say theology, but maybe the way that you prayed may get messed up right here. And I'm sorry if it does. I mean no ill will, okay? But the fourth thing is he prayed definitely. He prayed definitely. I like to say it this way. Maybe Elijah didn't, he never seemed to have more arrow in his quiver at a time. You understand that? Elijah specifically was praying in this moment for one thing. What was he praying for? Rain. He didn't come before God and say, God, right now in this moment, bless my children and grandchildren and watch over the king and touch the Jezebel. And I'm not telling you there's anything wrong for praying for those things, but in this moment, he had one purpose and one thing, and he prayed specifically and definitely for that one thing, and that one thing was for God to send rain. You know, David said in Psalm 5, he says, I'm going to direct my prayer unto thee and I will look up. If you look at the language and go back to the original text, that specific language, I will direct, and I'm not an archer, but it's like he, the, the word he used for direct is the direct as in shooting an arrow. So he was pulling an arrow back and guiding it to a specific place up to the heart of God and letting it go. He wasn't just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Let me, let me kind of say it to you this way, because I grew up, I've been in this thing. I know I'm, I'm still not super old. I feel older every day, I guess I am. I'm just in my 30s, but, but I feel like sometimes because of my generation, I could have grown up in the 80s. But nonetheless, I grew up having prayer meetings, man. My parents, you know, they meant well, and it was good. But they, you know, everybody would come together on a certain night of the week, and we just got in there and prayed, which ultimately meant at some point I was going to end up in a nap on the pew because I was like, man, they just... And I'm not saying there weren't good things about prayer. There were good things prayed for. But here's what happened, I think, growing up and seeing in a lot of ways with prayer. We just would get together and people would just start praying and spouting off everything they could think of. And a lot of times when you spout off just anything you think of, nothing specific happens. 
Does this make sense? Uh, can I put it to you? Can I give you another analogy? Y'all may get sick of my analogies, but I feel like you'll understand this one, okay? So there are times when I'll call my wife at home on my way home and ask if she needs anything. Yesterday was one of those times I had to go and attend a funeral, so I was getting ready to come home. And so I, I do you need anything before I get home? Because I'm coming through town. She says, bring me a coffee drink. A coffee drink. Now, in her mind, she knew exactly what it was she wanted. In my mind, I didn't have a clue. Because, and even though we've been married a long time, I know a lot of, but I mean, coffee drink is like the most broad thing. You want something hot? You want something cold? You want something sweet? Do you want me to actually go to a place that specializes in this? You want me to go to the gas station and get you something out of the cooler? You know what I'm saying? Y'all think, what? You're crazy. Why you? This became a whole conversation until I figured out what she wanted. And y'all, y'all husbands know what I mean. I never really figured it out. She just finally said, get what you want, and then hung up the phone. Like, so I hope whatever I got was going to be suffice so I could save myself some more heartache. Y'all thinking, that's all silly, PB, but listen, we come to God in prayer, and we just say, God, just touch me, just bless me, and I'm like, I mean, that sounds good, but it's just generic, blah, blah. God wants us to be definite. He wants us to begin to speak, and what did he say? Ask, and you shall. You ask for something general, God may be just throwing some general blessing out there, and you're never going to know what he is doing. Okay, y'all may think I'm crazy. I don't know, but maybe my mind is a little different. But Elijah didn't just pray for, you know, all all the poor people in this moment. I'm sure there were times he did. In this moment, though, there was one thing he needed, and that thing was what? The Bible says where two or three agree on any one thing. Definite, specific. Listen to what he said he began to pray here the imagery was that that the psalmist was using was like directing an arrow toward god if i was a king with an ability to solve any problem with had would you simply just list some generalities we wouldn't the prayer that prevails with god and is answered by a flood of blessing it springs from a definite promise received by god you see i don't believe god just promises broad general things i believe there's specific destiny he's promised to every single one of us amen once he's spoken that word and once we receive that word by faith we can plead before his throne of god and perseverance knowing that he's going to do what he said he would do real quick james 5 17 18 says this elijah james was writing about elijah this is how we know he said elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months and he prayed again and the heavens did what gave rain and the earth produced his fruit I'm sitting here telling you, if you haven't received breakthrough in your life or something you may be battling for, you may be seeking, you may be earnestly wanting, it could be that maybe the prayer hasn't reached a place of uh, of being specific for you. Maybe you haven't reached definitive prayer. Call out that thing that you want God to do. Listen, I've prayed for specific things, and the answer sometimes has been no. 
And those are the times where I leave that behind and say, okay. And then I move to the next thing and I pray definitively for that. Does this make sense? Last thing. Not only did God pray, or did Elijah pray, believingly, humbly, with perseverance, definitively, but but he prayed ultimately successfully, because what happened? The Lord answered his prayer. On that seventh time when that servant went out, he looked, and what did he see? Oh, Elijah, man, the whole sky's black. It's about to rain. No, no, no. He saw one small cloud about the size of a man's hand. My hands are a little smaller than average, so maybe a little larger. But imagine just a cloud this size all the way up in the sky. All the way up there. Now, can we be real? How many times do we pray and we pray and we pray, and God shows us a cloud the size of a man's hand, and we ignore it? We, come on, God, this is what you're going to give me? Elijah could have said, still not enough. But what did Elijah, he immediately, all he needed was to see the evidence that God was at work. That small of a cloud was enough to remind Elijah, okay, God, you're going to do what you said you were going to do. Prophet Zechariah told the people, don't despise small beginnings. You know what that means? I believe and we pray and we talk about it, and I don't want to sound like I don't believe in it, but we we get so wrapped up in the instantaneous big miracles that happen right away. And listen, again, I'm not losing faith. I believe in a God who works that way. But then there are times where God wants to take us through a process to continue to build our trust. And the moment we don't see it, zap, 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 we want to lose heart and give up on it all. But God said, don't dismiss small beginnings because what might look like small is just evidence of me working. And if you'll continue to praise me and believe based on what I'm doing, then, then you'll see my full hand at work. You may think that I'm, I'm going a little bit too far here. Maybe I'm inferring too much or, or speculating. But notice it says that immediately when he heard this, Elijah then gets up and he makes preparations for his next job. His next job is to go and catch Ahab. He's got to tell Ahab the next thing that the Lord said. He's got to run, and it says he runs 30 miles faster than a chariot to get ahead of him. That's miraculous, right? But he immediately gets up and begins moving on as if the answer had happened when all he saw was a small cloud. But notice it says that by the time he gets ready to run, the sky has filled up. This is me. But I believe within my whole heart, the way I look at this scripture, I believe that Elijah would have despised that and refused that he would have been sitting there even longer than he was. I believe he would have sat there even longer. God's little cloud can be made broad enough to cover the whole sky and meet every one of our needs. You may think, man, this was just a little sign of provision, but I'm here to tell you, God can take a little sign of provision and He can take care of everything you'll ever need. Amen? The few loaves and the small fishes that were brought to Jesus, they didn't look like much, but they were enough to feed over 5,000. Elijah prayed believing that he was going to receive, and guess what? He did receive. The rain began to fall. I'm going to share with you real quickly an example of how I've seen this work in my life, and then we're going to pray. 
But the reason the Lord laid this so heavily on my heart coming out of our revival is because really the last three years of our life, to a certain degree, I felt like I've been kind of living this somewhat. And, and, and I'll begin to say this. I'm going to be very transparent. I hope that's all right. The reason I don't like to be transparent is because sometimes you may think that I'm over-dramatizing something. And I don't want that to happen, okay? I'm going to share with you something that we're dealing with. I don't want to over-dramatize it, make it seem like it's worse than it is, but I just want to let you know that I'm real too. Is that okay? All right, I'll assume that is. You know, me and my wife, we have two sons who I love dearly. My oldest son, Joseph, who's grown up and, you know, we had some trouble in early on in school, but we got through that. He's fine now. But my youngest son's been a little bit different story. He's, a, he's been a little more challenging to us. I love him to death, but he's so unique. But we could tell early on when he was about three, something's a little bit different. I don't want to use the word wrong. Just something was different. First of all, he's, his mental level is at somewhere that scares me sometimes. Some of the things that processes and that he can do is like, whoa. He immediately, he learned and taught himself how to read words when he was two. And visually, he can, even now, he can create pictures with Play-Doh and things that I couldn't do right now. I'm 36. That's just not my gift. I this dude can draw things and write things. I mean... But we started noticing even at three, we started putting him in preschool and kind of knew that, you know, communication was it. Really all he would say was he could repeat a lot of things that he had heard on videos. And I was like, this isn't normal. We started trying to get help, started getting an education. And, you know, I hated to, I don't, I'm not a label person. That's again why I'm telling you I'm being transparent. I don't want to sound, but I started doing my Google research like we all do. We all are experts with Google, right? And I mean, everything pointed to everything I'd ever read about someone being on an autism spectrum. I'm like, he's got, there's something going on. But God, I don't, and again, I'm not, understand my heart, just me and where I was at that moment. I was like, God, I don't want to, I don't want an excuse. I don't want a label. Listen, we're a family that does not spare the rod. So, I mean, there were things and behaviors that he started doing and lashing out, and we were trying to handle them the way that we thought we would, and it wasn't getting anywhere. Now, I'm telling you this to tell you that the enemy will beat you up when you start going through stuff like this. Some of, and again, some of you have been through much worse than what I am. So again, that's what I tell you. I don't want to over-dramatize it. But in my life, we went through a season where he was in we church here at all seasons. And man, he went through the season where he was biting teachers he didn't like. Now, these are the people that I have to go to and ask to work on Sundays. And my own kid is like biting them. I mean, how how's that look? The enemy's in my mind saying, look at you. You can't, you can't control your own kid. How are they going to come work on you? Y'all may not have had the enemy dealing with that, but I'm telling you where I've been. Like, God, I'm a lifelong educator. I'm supposed to know how to handle all this stuff, and I don't have a clue. I say all that to say we got into a moment where we started looking for help. We started using our school's resources. We talked to our pediatrician. We got him into kindergarten, and... Thank the Lord he was, with a, he was with a teacher who had an incredible heart and just worked with him and did everything we could to try to, try to reach him. You know, there were some struggles, and, but I was still there on campus with him, so every, we made it through there. But it seemed like every place we looked for to get help just felt like there was a roadblock. I would call a place that somebody would tell me about, hey, they can help, and I would call them. They're like, well, you got to see this type of doctor first, and we can't see you to them, Okay. I call this place. Well, we can't see you until you do this. Call another place. Well, we can't do anything with you. <laughs> you, you ever been in a situation like that? And the Lord, my sanctification was being tested at a high rate. 
Got put on this waiting list and been on this waiting list for him to be seen for about eight months now. And I'm starting to lose my mind in the middle of that in our life. I felt the Lord giving us a transition where I moved across the county to a different school, doing a different, uh, doing a different job, moving into administration. And again, I knew the Lord has brought me there. I've seen that. But in the midst of that, the next year at school with my son back at the same place, things go haywire to the point we have to place him somewhere else. I really start getting my sanctification tested when I have to meet with people who are telling me these things in a very sanctimonious attitude. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I really had to go into prayer. I had to believe the Lord because the Lord spoke things over that child when he was born. I need you to understand my kids' names are Joseph and Daniel, and it's not just because I'm trying to be super spiritual, and I think I, those were prophetic names. I named my oldest son Joseph so he'd be a dreamer, and if you ever talk to him in his imagination, he already knows what the Lord has called him to do. He came from camp. I told, I'm like, son, are you sure? I can't. The Lord didn't say, you didn't want him to be a dreamer. Okay. I named him Daniel. Because the Lord told me when he was born that he was going to be someone who would be of high character and influence. But now here I am, I'm like, God, he can't even talk to people his age. He can barely talk to us as far as any way of communication. We have all these obstacles. God would whisper to me and say, don't forget what I've said. Anyway, I say all of to say we got to the point we're leading into revival. And again, I'm, I'm not saying this in any sort of way to pump, but the, the Lord led me to a time of prayer and fasting leading to our revival. I, I was praying for a lot of things. A lot of my, my main goal at, at really at the beginning of this fast was I was praying for some seed that I have in the ground. You know, I'm like, God, I've been here eight and a half years. That's a long time. Most people come like, to, as youth pastors like me, the average time is like 18 months. I'm doing pretty good, but there's still seed in the ground. There's still people who I know that, the Lord has been, I've poured into that I want to see come back. And guess what? The Lord started answering those prayers. But in the midst of my praying for all of those things, I really was getting frustrated at the fact that everywhere I went, I just feel like we were getting nowhere with my son. You may not have been here, but I started getting definite. I started getting specific with my prayer. I didn't get arrogant, but I was humbly. I was like, God, at the, I need you to do something. I need something to happen. I prayed that prayer. We went through the revival. And again, if you grew up like I did, sometimes you expect the Lord to answer with some sort of supernatural thing, right? Maybe some, some minister is going to get a word and I'm going to get called on the stage and they're going to read my mail in front of everyone. Y'all ever been there? Okay. Yeah, you know how I've grown up. All right, that's how you expect things to happen sometimes. None of that happened. Wednesday of the revival, I'm at work and I'm in the middle probably of two or three crises that I deal with on a daily basis, not even thinking about anything, running back and forth. I go in my office, I get a call from a phone number that I didn't recognize. I answer it and it is not from the people who we were on the waiting list with that I've been praying would call. But in the midst of all of this starting over a year ago, I had happened to fill out something online with an agency that might be able to start getting us some help. And they said, hey, we're just reaching out to see if you still needed help. I was like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure that until I get through this other place, you can't do anything for me. They said, oh, no, we can do something for you. We have a list too. And it's been going much quicker than that one. Can we put you on our list? I said, yes, please. And I hung up the phone and immediately... 
Lord spoke to my spirit. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that was a very dramatic opening for the answer to be a waiting list, but you don't understand. I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand in the sky above me in that moment. I'm not telling you that things are going to get better tomorrow. We still may have months and months on this journey. I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but I know from that point forward, I said, God, I'm not going to question you anymore. God, I'm not going to doubt you anymore. I've seen the cloud. I know that you're at work. And so I'm here to tell you, uh, one last thing, the last night of revival, we've been playing music up here and the very last night, you know, Pastor Leslie was here and the Lord was using him mightily and near the very end of the service, a lot of people had gone. They, Pastor came up here and made us all leave the stage and come down and receive prayer. And again, it wasn't no kind of showing nobody would have known, but Pastor Leslie was used to the Lord. He spoke to me and confirmed many things the Lord was said, but right before he moved off. And he didn't know me. I mean, we, we know each other, as very, but he had no clue of any of this. I don't really talk about any of this publicly, probably till now. He looked at me and said, quit worrying about your kids. Quit worrying about your kids. I've got them taken care of. I'm here to tell you, I saw the cloud. I'm going to keep running. The rain will start falling when the Lord's ready for it to fall, but I know it's coming and I no longer have to doubt or worry. Amen? Listen, will you stand with me today real quick? Why did I share that with you? Why did I feel the Lord put that so strongly on my heart? It's not for you to feel sorry for me in any way. And as I say, the things that I've been through probably pale in comparison to what a lot of other people deal with. But I'm here to tell you, I'm an encouragement. I'm an example. I've seen this live out in my life. So whatever it is that you find yourself battling up against and you're wondering, God, when are you going to move? I'm here to tell you, I'm going to believe and agree with you that God will open your eyes and you will see the cloud. It may be small in the moment, but God's going to give you some reassurance today that he's still moving and working on your behalf. I want to give you one last scripture. Why did all of this happen? This happened so God could be glorified. Jesus said in John 14, 12 through 14, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Lord is ready to work on your behalf. He's ready to answer your prayer. Are you willing to allow Him to receive the glory? God's going to do mighty things in my son. Why? Not because he's my son, not because it's going to do anything to me, but it's because he's going to give God glory and people are going to see his work. Whatever it is in your life that you're believing for but you haven't seen yet, God's going to do it. And if you're willing to give Him the glory, He's going to show Himself faithful to you. Listen, I'm not going to beg or plead or do anything manipulative here, but I simply have felt stirred. As I said, I've been stirred a couple of weeks about sharing this with you. All I simply want to do is invite you. If you're here and you can say, Pastor Bradley, I too have been found myself in situations where like the servant, I've been looking, I know what God said, but I'm just not seeing anything. Maybe the enemy's trying to tell you to give up, and you're struggling to persevere. 
Maybe the voices around you have gotten your mind off of faith and you've lost belief. I'm here to tell you that God is still God and what He said is true. If you're dattling something, if you're dealing, I simply want to agree with you. It doesn't, again, I always say this. I don't do this as if I feel I'm something special. I just know again what the Word says where two or three agree on any one thing. There I am and we'll be in the midst and work on their behalf. If one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Amen? Just as a sign of agreement. If you say, PB, I need you to agree with me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer. But if, if you're here and you need someone to agree with me, you need the breakthrough, whatever it is that's keeping you from what God has for you. I just want to simply agree with you in prayer. So as I pray, if you'll step down, I'll be down here and I'll be glad to agree with you in prayer. Father, I thank you tonight for all that you are. I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your words. Father, today, I know there's at least one person that's listening to the sound of my voice. Father, they've heard your word. They may have heard it at a young age. It may have been early in their spiritual walk. Father, it's a promise that they've been given, that they've been holding on to. But Father, it seems like everywhere they turn, everywhere they look for evidence of you working in their life, it becomes very difficult for them to see. The enemy has them convinced that, Father, you've forgotten about them. Father, the enemy has them convinced that maybe they've simply missed it. Father, today I pray right now that you will show yourself powerful. Show yourself faithful. Show yourself real in their lives. Father, I pray that you will reach down and touch each and every one, God. Father, just as you've done for us, I pray, Lord, that you will give breakthrough, give victory. Father, show signs, God, that you're still there. Give them an encouragement word, God, to know that you have not left or forsaken us. Father, this week, I pray that you'll continue to be thankful Father, open our eyes to the small clouds. Father, there's some, God, that are still praying, but Father, maybe we haven't stopped and shown ourselves worthy. Maybe we haven't stopped to thank you for that that you are doing. Father, as we give you glory for what you have done, we know, God, that the full answer is coming in your glory and your might. I pray safety and blessing upon each one that's here today, that your hand be upon them this week if they're traveling or as those are traveling to their house together. Father, that you'll give them peace and warm and comfort, and most of all, help us to remember and show our gratitude to you. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a very safe holiday week. Go give the devil fits.